0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to season two, episode 20 of History's Greatest Idiots, the show in which we go back through all of human history and find examples of utter amazing stupidity so that you can learn lessons from these terrible moments and never repeat those mistakes again. But Who are we kidding? We're humans. We like mistakes. And we especially like mistakes because they give us content. Content is how we earn money occasionally when we finally get advertising revenue um joining
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're We're still waiting
0: on that yeah we earn money no we're we're currently spending it um joining me as ever it's my amazing co-host derek derek how are you doing my man i'm doing good yeah it's cooling off it's been rainy and
2: stormy and i got to sit and enjoy that all day yesterday so i love that no complaints
0: yeah and and my house didn't even leak (laughs) unlike mine uh uh yeah that's um because you guys it's a very american thing having a, a porch uh right as we don't really have those here because it's too fucking cold half the time but um <laughs> most of the uk has conservatories which are just giant glass boxes on the back of our houses and the people who have built them more recently have realized they're baking hot in the summer and freezing cold in the winter so we built ours with a glass roof and a glass front and that's it like the, the sides of walls okay. and we have a radiator so in the summer it's not as hot because it's not just an entire glass can, like greenhouse right and in the winter with the giant um radiator we've got there it keeps it nice and toasty so i can sit out and stare up at the stars at night which All is something right. i've always wanted to do that shit is wonderful i'm envious as hell right yeah. now man yeah that's pretty cool that yeah it, it, you don't see quite as much quite a lot of light pollution here in in uh the west midlands because it's very urbanized but when i go back to anglesey to see my family like you can see everything there, there is very little light pollution there it is like the milky way all of that is completely illuminated which i'm sure you guys get in like kind of less suburban arizona as well i
2: think so i don't
0: remember anymore
2: <laughs> i um <laughs> I was actually just having that conversation with my my wife, Sandra. She was saying, I always want to go where I can in real life see the Milky Way in the sky with my own eyes.
0: Well, there's, there's I don't know reason. where that's at. <laughs> just come to the UK. We have loads of places we can take you. Uh, okay. You will see. Yeah, seriously. It's like, even like, I mean, maybe not central London, but you go 20 minutes outside of any major city in the UK, you will see the milky way like on a clear oh, man yeah okay. my big thing is to see the northern lights like i need to see the northern lights before i die those That's, are amazing yeah i know i've never seen them i've always been close but i've been to a lot of countries but never like scandinavian countries or somewhere like like canada or somewhere like that where you can see that shit um yeah i need to see that toasty I... uh Zoid's here sorry hi hey. toastzoid good to see you my man Um so yeah, you have you seen Aurora Borealis?
2: When I was young, I was up uh, in Duluth, Minnesota, like when I lived up in Minnesota. Of course. I think we tried to go to Canada to see them, couldn't get across the border for some reason. So we just sat at Lake Superior and they came down on that northern side. It was I don't know, I was probably like seven. I don't it was amazing though.
0: Oh yeah. That's like sorry, you you just said I could we tried to get into Canada, but I couldn't. I just had this image in my head of super troopers which i think you guys have got a different name <laughs> yeah. for he's like trying to get over the border to get some maple syrup french fries and, and, gravy, sir. French fries and gravy sir <laughs> <laughs> i just i love that whole scene i'm Canada, huh? Now man
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it? the snozzberries taste like snozzberries yeah um, dude that's my I one love, of my favorite movies book. did oh, you see God. the second I, one i i haven't no i know it's out i need to see it um i like a lot of the stuff that jay uh, uh what's his name the the guy who directed it and does most of the mustache man i have no yeah. idea <laughs> i know <laughs> who wants How a to ride his name. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I, I do need to see the sequel i was i love that film that film got me through so many like i was like oh i feel like shit tonight i'm gonna put that film on it i laughed without fail every single time it really hit me somewhere quite many. Yeah. i don't know why See, and that's
2: honestly, I think that's why I thought I wanted to be a cop is because I thought that's what it was like when I was a kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's and that's why I wanted uh, another reason I wanted to work in a record store because I thought it was going to be like Capitol Records. Dude. See, I thought it was gonna be like Empire Records and then they were Empire Records. That's the one I meant. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. With Liv Tyler and René Zellweger in that.
2: Yeah, that's actually based on uh, a story that was written by a person that worked at, I think, tower or capital wow uh, okay tower in la uh no it was a record store at uh i think desert sky mall it was an employee there that was the the writer of the
0: short story that inspired the movie i didn't know that i just thought it was a vehicle for like i don't know Liv tyler or i'd give you sources but i could
2: have just made it up I, I, no, it sounds <laughs> sounds
0: sounds real. So
2: I just I seen it in a, a New Times article. That's our oh, independent okay. local free magazine here. So
0: yeah. So that's the thing I, I, I get a lot of secondhand information about. Oh, this film was based on a book, and I'm always quite surprised when I, I learned that I did not know that Empire Records was based on that. Uh Tostoid, my ancestors were Vikings, so they probably saw the Northern Lights a lot. Yeah, they may have used them for navigation, actually, because man, those fucking Vikings, they beat uh, columbus to america by a few hundred years they were they were pretty good sailors
2: on what essentially was a raft
0: yeah basically but not like a, a sex giant... raft uh, no not a sex raft <laughs> uh, a kind of a raft with a slightly ornate dragon on the front of it like that yeah. so interestingly uh one of the part of north wales i'm from um there is a town there called llandina which is a big tourist location um because it's like it's 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 like a perfectly preserved Victorian town. So okay, you've got all the stuff, and also it's where Alice from Alice in Wonderland lived. So Alice Little lived there. So there's like all of this like Alice in Wonderland stuff dotted all over the town, like carvings and the secret valleys, and there's, it's a whole thing there. But nice. they've got two. It's like they've got two beaches, and the town's in the middle. But there's two giant rocks either side of it, massive things called Orms, and it's actually featured on the second Thor film, The Great Orm. Orm is actually derived from the Scandinavian word for snake, because when the Vikings were fucking raiding the coast freely, they rounded the corner, they saw this massive rock and they went, oh, my God, it's a giant snake. We're getting the fuck out. (laughs) Um, And it wasn't. It's just a giant rock. But yeah, that's that's where it got its name. So Toasty, Um, your ancestors weren't, weren't the smartest bunch uh anyway (laughs) they they did practice good hygiene from what i understand though yes they did they were very clean and they like to wax their beards uh away from all of that uh derek can you tell us who Hmm. your idiot for this episode is please
2: well from one rabbit hole to the next i wandered down one of those again this week and okay as i do it's interesting nonsense and documentaries and funny stuff and it's halloween time so i'm watching scary movies nice not that this has anything anything to do with anything but we watched no. this new series on Netflix I think it was oh, cool. called The Midnight Club which I've seen it, it.
0: it's brilliant I love yes. that shit I loved it I didn't think it was as good as the midnight uh, midnight mass oh no it was really good right and I've it's the really really same writer it. though right yeah it's same Mike same Flanagan who House... did yeah. Doctor Sleep and yeah. House of Bly Manor and all of that and yeah just General as good as all the rest of his stuff oh, yeah. but he in does, the beginning of it very
2: consistent they talk about in the 1920s in America, cults were huge. There was cults going off all over the place here in the United States in the 1920s, and I was like, is that real? I'm going to have to look that up. (laughs) And in that, I found who I'm covering today. It's one of those weird cults that's bizarre and almost humorous until you think about the fact that they were probably responsible for the deaths of some people, but they were never actually brought to justice. Wow. So... Um, it's could it's kind of like that. Well, no, it's not like the the
0: countess that was a mass serial killer, yeah, because that was, yeah, we covered that last uh, um, last Halloween, you did Halloween, yeah. What was, what was her name? Uh, uh I'm trying to play, yes, maybe Bathory, yeah. And she was she allegedly murdered and mutilated like hundreds, maybe thousands of people, but a lot of it is like. Mm, flawed evidence and maybe just railroading. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. This oh, is I-
2: some oh.
0: Alistair oh, that's Crowley. A mm, that's a good suggestion. Actually, you know what? There's a good suggestion for Ibs. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Take him. I-, I don't mind. All right. Um so
2: back to this cult. Yeah, a different different thing here. Um mm-hmm. <clears throat> it may be just like salacious journalism that kind of led to this, but there's real stuff attached to it that caused Mm -hmm. the stories, so it's she's not innocent by any means. Mm -hmm. Kind of a bit of a grifter. And Mm -hmm. she's a woman. Ha-ha. Didn't see that coming, did you?
0: Ah, yeah. A woman cult leader. A woman cult leader. It's kind of rare, actually. It's mostly crazy guys that are cult leaders. I mean, there are plenty of crazy women around them, but the leaders tend to be men. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of probably... Uh, scholarly like looks into why men are cult leaders over women but yeah i'd imagine that there's a specific reason for that but yeah wow a female cult leader
2: yeah i'm interested now okay so she's born in storm lake iowa on august 2nd 1881 at the time her mother's 15 years old which wasn't uncommon back then and was newly wed to a man by the name of william otis Okay. The family history gets a little bit muddy from there because her, her mother, and her grandmother were all named Matilda.
0: Ooh, that's a bit weird.
2: So when you're researching the history and trying to do the biography, it's like Matilda 1, Matilda 2, Matilda 3. <laughs> and then I that's started great. getting confused, and I figured just for yeah. the sake of my sanity and yours, Matilda mm. 1 and 2 will be known as Genie, her mother. Okay. And Mm -hmm. May, the one I'm covering, and you probably know who it is now. (laughs) Um. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. So anyway, Matilda, 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 (laughs) Jenny remarried, moved to Washington. May, um, was around eighteen at the time. Okay. And this is it. Kind of gets weird because it the the 1900 census. Jenny and her new husband, Edgar, had a 10-month-old daughter living in the home. But 10 years later, there were no children. Mm. And that's because the 10-month-old daughter was actually probably May's daughter, not Jenny's. Because back then, you wouldn't want to have a child out of wedlock. And her mom covered for her to keep up uh, appearances, and she could find a husband. Which they did. Yeah. And he actually took in... Her daughter Ruth, and she took his name, and she became Ruth Angeline Wyland. Okay, and they she joined her step or her mother and her new stepfather in Oregon, and the young family settled in there, just a little bit away from May's mom. Right, and not too long after that, she files for divorce again, and she wants sole custody of Ruth. Okay, because well, it's just her stepfather anyway. Even mm. though she took her name, and it's all kind of confusing, and it's the 1900s, and there's not a lot of good records. <laughs> no. But. Uh, the next year, the Portland City Directory listed May as a widow, though. Ooh. So that, yeah, it's most likely because it, it was viewed better to be a widow than divorced in the early 1900s.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. and I guess uh, same from the male perspective as well. But I mean, less so for men. But yeah, there was like so much social stigma around divorce right up until the 1970s, I think. Really, so kind of yeah. It took a long time for that to wear off, really.
2: The th- the problem was, is I started
0: pulling on that string, though,
2: and I couldn't find any records of him after, so he may have very well died. She could have had some sort of Black Widow situation. Yeah, I maybe. could have just made that up right now, like I tend to do with things. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so she's married again in 1915, but that one's short-lived also. Okay. And before she gets married to her third husband, she's got time to create a motion picture studio. What? Yeah. Yeah,
0: you didn't see that coming, did you? I did not see that coming. (laughs) Me either. (laughs) (laughs) Warner Brothers, was that where the evil started? Uh, Sorry, Warner Brothers, please give us money.
2: (laughs) Yes, anybody that wants to, really. I'll take any, well, never mind. Almost any of that one guy's money. Anyway, May's dream was to produce and direct films, but it wasn't an easy thing to do back in the 1900s. It's it's like the early dawn of the silent film era. Yeah. Nevertheless, she founded her own production company called Starlight that she personally financed through possibly grifting.
0: Mm. Yeah, a lot of studios did at that time. There was a lot of like, you either had a huge amount of startup capital or you kind of stole it. Like a lot of people did. So yeah, and there was mob ties and all sorts of craziness. A lot of early film industry was like a, a bit of a money laundering thing.
2: Kind of well, and this is a weird situation too because she still hasn't left Oregon. Wow, okay. So she's got a film studio production company that she started up in Oregon called Starlight, and she puts out what may have been Oregon's first full length movie, A Nugget in the Rough, which starred her daughter Ruth. Okay, so um, that's really interesting.
0: Yeah, not too bad of a start. Oh, that's really interesting. Like, she's clearly got passion for this, so absolutely, yeah.
2: That's great. He, you might say she was like a bit of a pioneer as an independent woman going through divorces, raising yeah. her children on her own, making movies like it's it's an
0: inspirational story now. It really is. Um, that's that's really, really amazing. I So far, well on board with this woman's journey. In 1918,
2: May and her daughter Ruth set out to chase their filmmaking dreams and head down to Los Angeles and get sure. started in
0: Hollywood. That makes sense and and they, you know you've got something to show to people now so you've got yeah. like the actual reel of your film you can say hey i i'm in production why not hire me because it was such a small industry at that time that having your own full-length feature would have been huge exactly be
2: cool. yeah and so you would think they'd do really well but it was a bit of a bust nobody was buying mm-hmm. they weren't interested in it her daughter ruth did work as an extra on some films for uh fox okay but eventually she left that to become an exotic dancer where she was basically a stripper to keep them alive for a little while. And things kind of started to get dicey. Okay. Um, They were struggling, barely getting by. And it was right around that time that they say they -hmm. were visited by an angel. Now there's a couple of different versions of it. So it's either the
0: archangel, Michael or Gabriel. (laughs) oh right okay so they they look similar you know i've met them both so you know i could see how you would get them mixed up you know right well i mean i i don't know
2: <laughs> it, it, i think they said it was uh michael but I, i'm not sure exactly if, if
0: one of them had an oboe it was probably gabriel so okay just, just well, putting that out there you know
2: And angel's an angel right <laughs> yeah exactly so he stays with him for three and a half years Wow. And during that time, he transmitted to them the revelations about the divine truth. He said okay. uh, all kinds of stuff about the end of times in the books of revelations. Mm. He also revealed to them the location of unbound wealth in the form of rare precious stones. They were buried somewhere near Bakersfield.
0: Why uh, the fuck would an angel care about that shit? I don't know. <laughs> Why would jewels be
2: outside of Bakersfield? Bakersfield yeah, Ech, nothing mm. there. Not sorry, everybody in <laughs> Bakersfield.
0: Sorry, people in Bakersfield. But if you want to escape, then, you know, your city smells like oil and mm. onions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so
2: May claims that this angel that's with them and and just telling them things, he says she says that he instructed her and her daughter to write a book called The Great Sixth Seal. That oh. That book was supposed to transform humanity and usher in this new golden era.
0: Mm. Every book's meant to do that, I think. <laughs> that's what every author wants. I've got to change the world. Well yeah. I just want somebody to read my story yeah let's just uh, let's just get Derek paid. yeah
2: indeed. So <laughs> she's told that she's going to be one of 11 queens who's going to rule the world from the 11 mansions that would be built on Olive Hill in Hollywood because right that's where
0: all religious revelations need to start, I guess yeah yeah it's gonna be 11 queens and everyone gets a mansion you get a mansion and you get a mansion you get a mansion you're going mention this is a religion what the fuck so may and
2: ruth decide that uh, the time is now getting right to publish their work right before the prophesized end of days by mm. margaret rowan on february 6 1925 right uh, Margaret's the leader of the reformed Seventh-day Adventist group that said The world was going to end And they kind of glommed onto that And it got their name right. in the papers But mm-hmm. it also got him on the radar of a city Prosecutor that was already mm-hmm. investigating uh, Rowan for Potential fraud Okay. He kind of sh- I guess maybe guided some of the Media onto a series of Articles that Um may and ruth first had publicized that were announcing for the book and their divine churches in the 11 things and
0: mansions yeah and then
2: off to get even weirder uh Mm. may gets married to her fourth husband around this time also his name is ward blackburn now get this ward's mother died in 1912 and then her his father married may's mother matilda or genie and then so then matilda is married to ward and then the other one's married to his dad and so then may is essentially her own stepsister i think i oh that's so crazy (laughs) and her daughter's her daughter's her sister too i think
0: yeah yeah, real game of thrones level shit going on at this point
2: exactly (laughs) only in la so
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
2: so may and her daughter and ruth or a
0: daughter sister
2: i wrote <laughs> right daughter sister yeah are out there in la struggling ruth is stripping to help keep them afloat mary may marries her stepbrother and i there's actually no mar- marriage record on that though so she may mm. have just taken her stepdad's last name when she became okay. may otis blackburn okay and uh the reason I, I bring up the blackburn thing is because the cult is known as the blackburn Cult okay, uh, also known as the great order of divine order
0: secretaries, something whatever. It's <laughs> see, super <I've>, long. <laughs> yeah, I've I've never actually heard of this. This is completely new to me. New to I hadn't to either, so it was
2: it was new to me. And then I found out that they're crazy and they buried <laughs> people in salt with puppies, and it's cool. What? Go.
0: Why you would see, you do that? To... Oh my god. Oh my god, I have no
2: I idea why, <laughs> but we'll get there. So There's a bit of an uproar around Mm -hmm. the end of times prophecy, and they kind of take the opportunity for that publicity to launch their new divine order, a.k.a. the Blackburn cult, which Mm -hmm. was incorporated in March of 1925 with the express purpose to aid children and adults in distress.
0: Noble cult. Okay, that sounds like a reasonably noble thing but like everyone it's like a mission statement by a company we're driven by sustainability so then when you dive into it like really what are you doing you're planting trees like uh we're focusing in on initiatives and it just sort of trails off into nothing. we drill oil we drill (laughs) oil uh, but we make sure it doesn't spill or something often
2: um (laughs) at that same time she's arranged for the creation of a publishing company Mm. In the name of her her Walter J. Blackburn father, stepfather, okay. I think, right. is who yeah. it was. And that's situated at Olive and 10th Street in downtown Los Angeles. It's supposed to be, possibly, the first mansion on Olive Hill. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, the where would I go? So they're in downtown Los Angeles. They're running a publishing company to put out mm-hmm. these religious tomes and um, they're writing their books from the information that they were given by Gabe, Gabriel or Michael, Michael, or, or whoever somebody, that, some, some homeless guy that said he was mouth. an angel
0: and lived with yeah, them for three years. I'm an angel, <laughs> uh, maybe it was someone selling angel dust. I mean, it's LA, so it is LA, yeah. Um, like Hollywood Boulevard, you know,
2: of uh, anyway, yeah, dude, <laughs> it definitely was that's exactly what it was. It was a homeless guy out of off of yeah. Hollywood Boulevard selling angel dust and they just I've got understand. angel dust
0: can I live with you for three and a half years I've got some stories <laughs> to tell you <laughs> I'll t- tell you about this wild story these jewels I <laughs> buried in big 11 Street. mansions <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh sorry, sorry. God, that would
2: have been a better book I think
0: yeah that would have been just anyway so yeah.
2: they're writing their important book and it takes all kinds of time and it requires a printing press and so mm. they got that publishing company And, um, let's see, they, they roped in a rich oil, air, um, and, and let him know that they would be, he would be greatly rewarded if he financed her divine efforts. And then she surrounded herself with followers that were mostly women who were required to sell everything they owned and turn over all the proceeds to May and, uh, has been hotel. Yeah. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Huh, I don't I know what don't know. hotel is. Okay, we'll have to ask Toast about that. Yeah, Toast. I get, get distracted sometimes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's my. <laughs> so they're building this church. She's got mm-hmm. these followers. They're selling all their shit and giving her the money. Mm. Uh, she's promised that they'd all become future queens of the fine order of the royal arm of the great eleven. Cool. Uh, see, I told you it was long. What <clears throat> after Mark? But after March of 1925, there's really no mention of the divine order in any of the local papers for Mm. like four and a half years.
0: Wow. Okay. So they just
2: vanish completely. They were up to stuff. During that Uh, time, they have money coming in from their main financial contributor, uh, who was also the president of the organization, Clifford R. Dabney. He's the one that got mad at May and uh, got a little... Annoyed at her unfulfilled promises, and she was sucking money from him, but he wasn't getting his, uh, what is it, divine, spiritual right. information yeah. and, and stuff that he was Still, promised. I don't he gave feel up, any
0: better. Maybe I should just keep the dollars. Yeah. Gave up almost $50,000 to, to learn those inner money. truths
2: and the practical benefits of the uh, stuff. He wanted the jewels.
0: Yeah, he wanted the jewels, but also this is beginning to sound like Scientology. I don't want to just like, please don't come after us, but $50,000 and you'll learn all the secrets. Well, I don't feel any smarter, but my bank account's a lot lighter, so yeah. Yep,
2: <laughs> yep. And it was Dabney and then some of the small donors that provided the seed money for the Orders Temple wow. um, in Ventura County at Mortimer Park. Uh, she still dodged him. And mm. his demands for spiritual enlightenment and temporal desserts. So he sued her. Mm. Put in a complaint with the Los Angeles County District Attorney as well, alleging all kinds of various crimes. Okay. That's when the stories started to come out. The media started presenting these wild stories of this the Divine Order's strange rites and rituals that included mm-hmm. animal sacrifice. Mm. Uh, members being baked in ovens to cure them of their maladies. <laughs> uh, if you crossed her, there was right. a tendency that you may disappear.
0: Ooh, that's a little scary.
2: Numerous people actually did disappear and were never seen again after questioning the heel of God that she called herself. Oh, shit. Um, some people went there and purchased poison. There was rumor of cold storage facilities where the bodies of parishioners were kept, uh, either murdered or otherwise. I am not sure. Oh my God! Um, one of the most shocking things, though, is when the body of Willa Rhodes, who died uh, seven, several years prior and was stored in ice for a long time, May Otis Blackburn talked her, her followers, who were Willa's parents, into storing her in ice for a period of time and then encasing okay. her in a wood box filled with salt and spices, while seven. The spiritual number seven. Mm. Dead puppies are buried in separate containers all around her under their <laughs> house. And all of that was done by Willa Rhodes' father and mother in Venice. I,
0: right under that. Wha- why dead puppies? Is this like a they'll follow you into the afterlife sort of thing, like fucking ancient Egypt or?
2: Not exactly
0: that's, sure. That's
2: also, weird. not sure that the Willa Rhodes lady died naturally and wasn't Hmm. a sacrifice
0: well yeah it's beginning to lean towards that really isn't it at this point very very well could have been
2: but Mm. that sensational report came out in the los angeles record and it said that there was a body found in a remote canyon near Wrightwood in san gabriel mountains that was definitely known to be that of ruth uh, wyland's long missing husband that's one of the people who went missing samuel rizzo but a couple of days later, they released a little quieter statement that said, oh, it's not Rizzo, that's just some dude who had insurance papers on him and everything, so never mind. But they mm, hiked okay. up all these other charges and reports about those activities, and May was arrested and charged with 15 counts of grand theft.
0: Okay. Because yeah. they can't prove any of that murder stuff. No, and I do feel like a part of me, there are a couple of alarms going off in my head when I hear like, I feel like maybe the police were like, we have an opportunity to pin some of these unsolved things on, on may here, which has happened a bit in the past with mass murderers and people. They did seem to
2: make an effort to do that. Yes.
0: Mm, Yeah. That's where I'm leaning, but yeah, she definitely ain't a good person at this point for sure. At, At the very least, she's a con woman. Oh, yeah, for sure.
2: That uses the religious stuff, which is actually not even very Christian-based cult stuff. It's more like uh, uh, ancient Egyptian stuff that that she was kicking out. But anyway, after all the hype, she's charged based on Dabney's theft. It's grand theft. There's a six-week trial that takes place in the first part of 1930, and there's more media coverage. The court proceedings go on, though, and they focused almost exclusively on the weird secret teachings and services and rituals and goofy shit that she was
0: involved in. Yeah.
2: More than the alleged crime of ripping this dude off of 50 grand and all of her followers with money and stuff.
0: Yeah, because that, that shit doesn't sell papers, whereas human sacrifice, fucking pulpy, salacious stuff like that will absolutely shift copy.
2: Well, that's you know. the thing about it, though. It wasn't just the papers doing that. That's how the trial was being presented. They weren't focusing on any of the
0: crimes or any of that. It was Ooh. just this lady's a weird witch person. You see, if the prosecution's going down that angle, that makes me think that they don't have a huge amount of evidence <laughs> against them. So, you know, if you, the law should be pretty straightforward, right? You have the evidence, you present it, that's it. You shouldn't have to evoke emotion. Really, in situations of financial crime, you know, it's different when it's, you know, murder or or something really quite human. But if you're ripping someone off, I feel like you just have to present the evidence of this person. uh, And we'll get into something like that with my guy. But, you know, knowingly taking someone's money and then presenting the methods by which they did it. I don't think you then have to go to she's a fucking witch. You know, I don't think you have to go down that route.
2: Really? It, it,
0: i think they were going for an easy slam dunk but oh, it, the yeah. thing is is
2: it's going to backfire on him you'll see in a minute oh, okay so the jury of eight women and four men took two days to deliberate on these grand theft uh charges and they rendered a verdict of guilty on all eight counts mm, okay so he recovered some of his money good but when she was sentenced the judge decided to issue her a concurrent sen- sentence of one to ten years for all of the Accounts And her lawyer motioned for a new trial, but it was denied. Okay. And then they looked for relief in the court of appeals mm-hmm. and she was allowed to kind of remain in county jail and she got out on bond. And okay. the case ultimately went to the California Supreme Court in mm-hmm. November of 1931. And the court ruled that the evidence regarding the suspected cult death and disappearances that were introduced by the prosecutor had no bearing on the fraud charges. No it doesn't. And it prejudiced the jury against her. So Yes it did. Yeah, the court also warned that any legislative attempt to regulate Blackburn's claimed possession of exceptional spiritual power had to be rejected and hmm. uh, that was because it would cause a dangerous invasion into the of the state into the realm of religious freedom and privilege guaranteed by the hmm. constitution.
0: Very interesting religious freedom there and the constitution coming into play. In I mean, I, I don't know whether you call it a good way, but in the way it was intended, right? So, yes, that works for me. And actually, that all of that summation that you just read out there, that tracks for me because I feel like that the, the sensationalist bullshit should not have been involved at all. Exactly. Well, I've always been, I, I guess,
2: weird in that I would rather, like they say, a hundred uh, guilty men go free before one innocent man hangs. You know? Mm. Yeah, so absolutely. Keep. Everybody, keep it separate. Keep it freedom. Let her do Mm -hmm. her thing there. That has nothing to do with financial crimes. If you want to get her on a death or something related to that, get her on the death or the act. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah.
0: So, if like if there's negligence involved in the religion, like say if you know someone's injured in participating, or if like there is someone gets traumatized by something that they've witnessed in the event, then that's a totally different matter. You don't go after the religion purely because, ooh people are going to get freaked out by that. You know, right. like, you, you go with the facts and that's, it bothers me when people go after emotion in, in, in trials that don't really need to revolve around it. The, the, the evidence should be enough for a, right. a solid jury to make their decision on.
2: Yeah. Like this dude gave you $50,000 and you gave him nothing for it. Yeah, exactly. Give him his fucking <laughs> money back. <laughs> so
0: the end of trial.
2: Yeah. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the court goes on and they say, That a mentally healthy person, such as Clifford Dabney, should be responsible for their own decisions to associate Mm. themselves with religious orders, such as the one created by May Blackburn. Yeah,
0: I'm less. I'm less (laughs) on board with that. That that doesn't give her much credit in terms of persuasion. Yeah, and you know, like charismatic people can get anything out of anyone. You know, it's so so
2: scary to me though, because like I said, I'd rather let. Everybody just mm. do their own freedom and have personal responsibility. But some sure. people oh yeah are really good salespeople. Yeah, and sometimes and... when they believe they're crazy shit, they're oh, really, yeah. really convincing.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at Alex Jones. I mean, that yes. has, that yeah. mistake has cost him a billion dollars. I probably yeah. because he believed it for a very long time, you know. I don't necessarily believe in
2: censorship, but if you've
0: got outright proven stuff
2: wrong, like you shouldn't be able to just say f- lies, just straight I'm... up lie
0: exactly and and now we know because this 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 court ruling we're getting a little bit off track here but that was a message (laughs) like that billion dollars that 965 million whatever it was that was a message to people like this era of just saying whatever the fuck you wanted with no consequences is over you can no longer go on youtube or the internet or wherever and just say anything and get away with it because people just don't to take the internet seriously like that shit is going to cost you money and he's he's going to have to declare bankruptcy. There's no way he's got a billion dollars. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Away from Alex from Jones. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole <laughs> argument. Um, he's next. He's next. He's coming. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I completely think that it, the court should have given, uh, I guess it's early days of psychology and manipulation and things like that, but you should put weight into someone's ability to extract money from people using confidence. Right you now. You yeah. know, so go. I'm going to read
2: the court's conclusion in quotes okay. now okay. for everybody's enjoyment. So <laughs> the court says we have set forth but briefly disclosures of the record before us and in our investigation have been unable to see what relevancy the gruesome stories of the preservation of the body of Willa Rhodes in the promise of resurrection could have borne to the issues of whether or not the defendant applied the monies which she received from the complaining witness for the purposes for which they were procured. Right. So there's no relevancy. Mm -hmm. And as other matters of importance have been properly disposed of, it is the decision of the district court of appeal that the judgment and order be reversed. So she's free. Right. Wow. Completely free. And then there's insufficient evidence to charge her with any of the crimes for the stuff that they brought up and tried to use to prejudice the jury. So she's she's free and they're not charging her. But the organization's in decline and the oh, conse- yeah. yeah sorry go on the consequences of the negative publicity surrounding it mm. really kind of
0: done them in yeah that that's that you're not going to survive a scandal like that not in that the, day and age
2: the last effort was that blackburn published published a book uh, the origin of god in 1936 okay. that contains elements from her former proclamations and uh, never made it on any bestseller lists and then she mm. died June 17th, 1951 in Los Angeles. Wow, okay. She stayed writing films.
0: Yeah, I feel like there was a route in there for her and not having her daughter strip to make ends meet and yeah. you know shit like that. Like I feel like if you'd continued down that route, you'd have at least left a mark, a positive mark, but it sounds, I mean, let let's play devil's advocate. I genuinely think this woman was a con artist. Yes, I, I feel like we're safe in that assumption that she definitely extracted money from people that don't that didn't necessarily know who they were getting involved in business with but Mm. as far as the whole murder and human sacrifice that just feels too salacious to be 100 percent true maybe okay because we're talking about you know ancient religions here and all sorts of gnostic practices and stuff like that there will have been an element of animal sacrifice in there and and we've just spoken about alex jones another funny story and we've spoken about it before is when he broke into bohemia grove with john ronson and john ronson just saw a bunch of wealthy old drunk guys pissing on trees and not having to worry about anyone judging them or letting their secrets out like oh god i saw this guy piss on a tree that stock price goes tumbling (laughs) you know like they don't have to worry about that and then they have this ceremony where they have like a whole like esoteric weird ritual where they're killing uh burdens like they're sacrificing burdens and and you know worry and oh okay oh and yeah and like this effigy is set fire to and there's like through a loudspeaker it's screaming and they're singing and chanting and it was like it clearly wasn't a human it was made of papier-mâché like that was a right. problem alex jones saw something very different he was like, oh my god they sacrifice people and oh my god they murder and sacrifice and satan and, <laughs> <Laura."> and like <laughs> I, I, even like immediately after that um john was like look you're lying we, right. I was there, I saw it You and I are the only two people there And people are going to take your word on this So you have to be 100% journalistically honest And he was like, no, you didn't see what I saw And I actually um, That's Alex Jones He just—he is so in his own world Of bullshit and insanity That he believes all this crazy shit And I feel like When you use the power Of those lies Especially if you believe them It's so influential on people who don't have a level of cynicism to go, hang on a minute. That doesn't sound right. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and I mean, God, if you're a good storyteller, a lot of shit will sound true. It does. (laughs) And that's the thing. So yeah, I feel like uh, she's a con artist um, for sure. Who, like you say, should have stuck to making films, maybe moving around in that world. She definitely had a talent for it, a, a, a talent for the business as well. And if she just stuck it out in Hollywood for long enough, although the studio system was getting established and it was very cutthroat as well, like even in the early days, like oh yeah, and, and nobody shit, like...
2: down there took uh, no. females seriously as far as no. like running anything.
0: No, as, as anything other than eye candy on screen, they were lit in those perfect three-point lighting schemes with like vaseline on the lens make them shiver and (laughs) all of that the male gaze and like all of that shit starts coming through like you are not going to get taken seriously as a a business person in an industry like that back in the 1920s and 30s if you're a woman it just isn't going to happen so i feel like if she could have maybe stayed in oregon maybe gone to new york potentially maybe there would have been work for her in the film industry over there because you know you're industrializing very quickly in that part of the world and there's definitely need for Um, video and film stock footage and and things like that and that's definitely a route she could have gone down but yeah I feel like Hollywood with the system being quite a closed door would have been difficult but yeah definitely con artist probably not a murderer or a human sacrificer maybe those disappearances though they have like the people they never found a body in you know in the Mm.
2: early 1900s mid 1900s they're not going to prosecute without a body
0: no no they're not and also you know I mean you could say you know Maybe she dispose of the body, maybe she burned the body, maybe dipped it in acid, whatever. But you know, people just people do just drop drop off the map at that yeah. time. They just like wander off. Well, yeah. You, know? you can move so,
2: from from California, Los Angeles, yeah. California, to like somewhere in the Midwest in 1925, and nobody'll ever yeah. like your former life is gone. It's not like you're calling yeah. home or hitting a Zoom
0: meeting or anything. Exactly. Like you could go <laughs> the next county over and people might never you could move to Oxnard. People might never fucking hear from you again. <laughs> you know, so, and and that's, you know, that's the, how the Golden State Killer got away with his crimes for as long as he did, is he just kept moving around, and you didn't have connections between uh, different districts and authorities, so they didn't connect the dots until many years right. later, so you know, that the whole kind of like, uh, surveillance society is a very modern thing, and quite recent, and even now there's easy ways you can escape from that, so, um, yeah, I feel like it's difficult to know because, again, like you said, there's no bodies and stuff. I feel like probably quite a low score with this one because she's she's a huckster, right? Yeah. That's, that's essentially all we can say with any certainty is she's a huckster who was painted into a corner by quite incompetent prosecutors. So I am going to go 75. That seems fair. Yeah, yeah. I think... Uh, she got on a trend at the time you know we're talking you know the 1920s and the 30s after the the victorian era who who were completely they were obsessed with death the way modern society has been obsessed with sex you know oh, yeah. like like the whole like oh my god seances and oh this person could see the future and like and again going back to alistair crowley it was the era of mysticism and that kind of hung on for like 20, 30 years after that and became a big part of culture. And she glum on, she kind of created a religion around that, and that makes sense. But I don't really think anything other than being a, a con artist like a lot of religious orders were at that time and still are to this day. Um, I think maybe like a 75. That seems I cool. fair.
2: Yeah. I, I was trying to look up there while you were given me my rating and find the movie that they have about it, but I don't know. Oh, right. Look on IMDb, there's a movie about that story too.
1: Oh, there's a I whole movie about
2: that.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm interested. See, I quite like documentaries like that, especially if they've got like a kind of a um, a very specific tone to them that kind of... Yeah, I, I, I definitely want to find out. I don't out know if it's a documentary or not, though. No, it might, film, it might film, be a film, fiction film about her. Uh, okay, right. They might have just used it for the basis of Basically, made by it might be the Blair Witch. I might have just made that, it <laughs> might just be the Blair Witch, <laughs> maybe the Blair Witch sequel, which was oh my god. Uh, um, oh. so, yeah, we won't go into that. That's that's a Halloween mistake for the ages. That <laughs> one. Um, I went to the cinema and I walked out. And I mean, I walked out the first one going, Is that it? Really? Um, I was quite scared, but yeah, I wasn't like terrified like the publicity made it seem like I would be. The messed up thing is, I was, I was, I was uneasy
2: and mm. a little freaked out about it because mm. everything leading up to it was like this is real. There was yeah, stuff oh, yeah. on the history channel talking about the curse of the Blair Witch. I don't know yeah. how they got people to do that. That must be where mm. they spent their budget. Like hey, Oh
0: yeah, that's where funny? the money went. Yeah. Uh, the Blair Witch game was awesome from ToSoid. I didn't even know there was a Blair Witch game. game? That sounds awesome. Yeah. Like that kind of thing I've uh, done. Yeah. I played <laughs> I played Alien Isolation. And I literally nearly shit myself, so I may not be playing the Blair Witch game. Oh. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, that, the Blair Witch was a thing. Uh, the sequel was terrible. Getting oh, off yeah. track, but yeah, that that's another yeah. cult thing. So we've we've established that this woman is essentially a con artist. That's kind of what we're we've landed on. I think, it's, and she's a solid sea idiot. She's a solid sea idiot. She's one of the <laughs> lower scoring. Uh, women on this list, along with Elizabeth Bathory, because we can't be 100% sure that that shit actually happened. But, you know, compared to uh, Elizabeth Holmes, she's certainly much a a lower-scoring idiot than uh, (laughs) Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, (laughs) I'll change the world. uh, But from one (laughs) con artist to another... uh, Sorry, just I said, which are the people who might be making one of the new Silent Hill games. Oh, it's made by Bluepar team. Bloober team. Okay, that'd be interesting. I I definitely need to check that out. Actually, that that sounds like the kind of game I could get into. That I think so. Yeah, managing pretty... football teams.
2: I um, want to do. I want to. It needs to have a part where I get to make those little wood people and hang them around oh, yeah. to scare people. Yeah. That's what I want
0: in the game. Poke the tent. <laughs> 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 just sneaking behind them and pinch the compasses. Like that. If that's it, 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 a... just. If that's an but, option in the metaverse, I'm doing oh, yeah. that to people. I'm going to walk around and poke. T- <laughs> that's so funny. And just uh, another thing. Have you you ever heard the theory of what actually happened in the Blair Witch Project? That it was all set that spoiler alert that it was all set up by the two guys to just kill the girl and that they deliberately like drove her mad. And one of them disappeared and was behind it all. And they were just doing it as revenge to get back at her. You no know, there's a whole theory. Yeah, no. That's a good theory, though. It is, and actually, when you, I think you can look at it up on YouTube. There's the whole, there's a bunch of videos about it. Actually, when you think about the film in, through that lens, it takes on a whole different thing. They're like, they wanted revenge on this girl who was dating one of them at one point, and they just wanted to kill her, and they huh. fabricated this whole thing to do it, and they're all in control of it the whole time. When you look at it through that lens, you're like, oh, this becomes a really different film.
2: Yeah, no. it's kind of even darker. I mean, that makes it yeah. scary
0: again. Yeah, I am mad at the
2: end of it when I'm like, why are there credits on a found footage movie? <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah,
0: we were so innocent back in yeah. the day before found footage was such a like a, an overused thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Within five years, everyone was like, oh, God, I'm so sick of this shit. When well, Cloverfield let's... rolled around, we yeah. were just like, no, done with it.
2: Yeah, P- Paranormal Activity did well but then I just enjoyed going. the
0: first three Paranormal Films, Paranormal Activity films particularly the second and third one. I mean the first one was great but like I like the way they uh, innovated on the second and third ones. Really enjoyed those.
2: We're going to have to do um, a podcast just on history's greatest awesome movies. Oh yeah,
0: oh shit. Yeah, we can <laughs> join a long line of other podcasts that talk about awesome films. Uh, I think they were hunted down by the Knights of Knee from Monty Python that scared the shit out of me as a kid. Oh, yeah? I don't know why. It was hilarious, but I was like, was it that's the fucking terrifying. It was, <laughs> we demand! <laughs> the voice was terrifying, and they were fucking huge. Um, anyway, so from one con artist to another, I would like to tell you today about my con person, Alan Stanford. Sports' worst con man. Uh, you may not know about Alan Stanford. It was a while ago this happened. Okay. Um, quite recent, but he is a bigger con artist in terms of prison sentence and money than bernie Madoff. so oh, wow. okay oh yeah you're gonna get well, into this one yeah robert allen stanford was born on the 24th of march 1950 he grew up in mexia texas his father was james stanford uh was the mayor of mexia and a founding member of the board of directors of the stanford financial group his mother, Sammy knee con, thats con with two ends, not con as in Alan Stanford is a massive con artist. Con, oh, that's okay. just con gotcha. with two N's. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> was it was a nurse? His mum was a nurse. Um, after his parents divorced in 1959, who so would have only been eight or nine years old at that point, Stanford and his brother went to live with his mother. Stanford graduated from Eastern Hills High School in Fort Worth, Texas in 1974. Stanford graduated from Baylor University in Waco. I think he Um, missed an opportunity to go to Stanford. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, actually, we'll get to that in a second. Um, He earned a BA degree in finance, obviously, because, you know, his dad's got his own company. It makes sense to go into finance to take over the family business. It's the smart thing to do. I'm not you know here for nepotism kids or anything like that but if you've got an opportunity to take it you know really especially if yeah. you've got a skill for it so why yeah, not
2: i i agree i yeah. i don't know i like the idea of a family business makes it easier I to do too. Out what you
0: want to do yeah i do i think there's the, the the ability to be able to learn from people who have raised you and to be able to get a foothold in the world that's fine as long as you're not like someone who says, like Donald Trump, like, oh, I I came from rags to riches. No, you fucking didn't. You have a $7 million loan from your father who did come from rags to riches. Right. So, yeah. Um, Stanford <laughs> started um, in business in Waco, Texas, opening a bodybuilding gym, probably not frequented by David Koresh, uh, that failed, <laughs> that failed really quickly. Like, this thing lasted weeks and it was gone. Um, bodybuilding when was this? gym? Uh, this is like the mid 70s late 70s so it's right around the time arnold schwarzenegger's done pumping iron not exactly like him.
2: a high populated area
0: no I, I think if he'd gone to california and done that and competed with gold's gym he probably would have been more successful but texas i don't think too many cowboys are like oh i want to look like this greased up austrian guy right uh, you know tired I after like, a hard day's work why would they want to go to a gym I know. Why would they want to pump iron? They've been rounding up cattle all fucking day. Um, His first success in business came from speculating in the real estate market in Houston. After the Texas oil bubble burst in the early 1980s, his father was his partner in the venture. I mean, Texas as someone who owned property thirty, and still does own property but was a real estate property developer for 13 years is like a side hustle i can tell you that being in the real estate business is relatively easy you know you you are almost always there's a saying in this country safe as houses because in terms of investment very few things see the growth and returned uh money that you get from real estate in in any sector really so um i'd imagine if you have a lot of money and you're buying vast swathes of Houston and Texas up, like you're only going to make money. Yeah. And that's...
2: God, think if you had mineral rights too.
0: I know, exactly. And like the oil bubbles burst. Mm-hmm. So you the property market has gone down, but it's the 80s. We're in the Reaganomics era. Things are only going to get better in, in that part of the world in terms of property value. So, right. um, yeah, sorry. There's a thing here. Um, most Mexican drug cartels are family businesses. Uh, we are actually going to talk about them in a little bit. So there's a cartel involved. <laughs> I know it gets really interesting. Uh, so, yeah, so they, they became a big success. Uh, the men made a fortune in the 1980s buying up depressed real estate And holding on to it, doing like a little bit of development, but not massive amounts. So they'd be like, they buy an empty lot, turn it into a car park, and they're basically just hanging on to the land, right? Which And still earning a little bit of money from the car park itself. And um, then they'd sell it years later because the market recovered in quite a big way. And they made tens slash hundreds of millions of dollars by speculating in texas which is a very smart thing to do if you ever have the opportunity to buy up land cheap just fucking do it because you're eventually going to make money or just have a lot of lovely land you know yeah. so just I, do it i've backed <laughs> out of it so many times i feel dumb eventually no, no no it's it's not dumb it's it's quite a risk because it's a lot of money isn't it really but
2: it, it was like 10 grand but i mean it's land in the middle of nowhere so probably yeah, wouldn't there's... make me any money tell my
0: kids kids Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like it's one of those things where um, the land has to be a specific type in a specific area. But if you have an opportunity to get it at cheap and you have the financial ability to do that, it's a smart thing. Um, I bought a house when I was in my my mid 20s and, you know, the mortgage was paid off by the time I was 30 and that thing provided an income for me until I sold it very recently to buy this house and the profit, the the money I had made from that bought me a much bigger house in a different part of the country and then enough money to redevelop it completely. And now this house is worth a lot more. So it's a constant knock on effect. So, right. you know, you raise enough money for a deposit on a house, eventually that will turn into, you know, 20 years down the line, like with me, that's going to turn into hundreds of thousands of pounds, dollars, whatever it is. And then that's going to snowball. as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a wise investment generally i went the Uh, other way i bought a big screen instead of a house (laughs) i i I worked my ass off and nearly killed myself and got into a really bad way personally but i made a lot of money doing it so it's like uh, but no it wasn't worth it i still Um, got my tv you still got your tv (laughs) it probably still works my house is in in ruins um so they've made a lot of money Um, In 1993, um, let's see, James Stanford, uh, the father, retires. So Robert takes over the family business. And at this point, it's grown to such a state that there are 500 employees. Um, At its most successful, the Stanford Financial Group claimed to have clients from 140 different countries with assets of $50 billion under its management. And obviously, yeah, they're taking a... The the shrewd thing they did was they took a smaller cut than most financial management companies. But, you know, if you're taking like 6% instead of 7% of $50 billion, that's still a fucking huge amount of money. Yeah. So, yeah. In 2001, Stanford said that his great-great-great-grandfather was a relative of Leland Stanford, the founder of Stanford University. Ah, uh, there we go. His, <laughs> he funded the restoration of Leland Stanford's mansion in Sacramento, California, in an effort to help preserve an important piece of Stanford's family history, and hired genealogists to prove he was a member of Leland Stanford's family. And he just went telling everyone that this, this guy who has got a huge reputation in America for scholastic excellence... Was like he was related to him, and that actually, oh yeah, that's I'm, I'm part of you know Stanford University. That's me, right? <laughs> so this like super flamboyant, wealthy guy who uh, thing about Alan, Robert Stanford, Robert Allen Stanford. He's really fucking flamboyant with his money, and not the kind of guy you would think as studious. Okay, so he's not trying like to a it. car that farts perfume. Flamboyant though, <laughs> no, he's more kind of like big money flamboyant you know like mayweather type flamboyant okay. you so know, he's it's like, like
2: riding around in the cadillac stretch yeah. limo with big
0: horns on the front of his limo. making sure that people know he has money and that gotcha. he has influence that sort of thing not oh i'm a dandy somebody's stolen my eight million pound jewels uh <laughs> not back <laughs> not lord lord penryn uh flamboyant with his money Okay, uh, this guy is just like braggadocious kind of new money type type of thing um a university of stanford spokesman said we are not aware of any genealogical relationship between alan stanford and leland stanford in 2008 university Uh filed a trademark infringement suit against stanford claiming the school's name was being used in a way that creates public confusion and is injurious stanford smartly backed down that Alan Stanford, not Stanford university Backed right. down at this point, because he's making a lot of money. He's managing huge amounts of money for very well, wealth, wealthy and influential people. Some of whom were educated at Stanford or in like connected Ivy leagues. And he doesn't want to piss off wealthy people who might be able to, you know, give him an in with the money right. basically. So he does the smart thing and it's the last time he does it. He does the smart thing. <laughs> and he backs down And he's like, whatever, maybe I'm not connected to Stanford. Maybe I was just making it up for a bit of headlines. That's fine. Um, On November the 1st, 2006, Stanford, so this is his first brush with the legal system, but he does the smart thing. He's like, whatever, dude, that's your whole thing. On the 1st of November, 2006, Stanford was appointed Knight Commander of the Order of the Nation of Antigua and Barbados Barbudan, Barbuda by the and, that should be Barbados I'd imagine, by the Antiguan okay. government. Um, Prince Edward, uh, not the controversial one, the the less controversial one. So you got Charles King, uh-huh. then you got his brother who we all know about at this point and then you got Edward who's like sort of there, you know. And okay. I'm the third one! Sort of thing, you know. <laughs> um, he's the Earl of Wessex I don't even know where the fuck Wessex is. So oh, I, I can't a cool name. with that. Yeah, it is. It's got sex in there and Wess. <laughs> so, um, so Earl of Wessex joined the Governor General of Antigua and Barbuda. Barbuda? Why do I have such trouble with that? Um, Sir James Carlyle to make this announcement during the Silver Jubilee Independence Day celebration for the Queen. Okay. So um, after being knighted, Stanford was awarded the title Sir Alan. Often he was generally referred to as such by other Antiguans and um, international dignitaries. There is there is nothing like giving a man who has a massive ego and delusions of grandeur a really formal title like Sir. And also like it wasn't the Queen who knighted him or who gave him it because normally there's like there's this whole sequence of events. Unless you're you've made a massive contribution, there's like you get an M uh, an OBE. And then an MBE, and then a CBE, like different. That's a lot starters. of letters, man. That's a lot of letters. So like, <laughs> David Beckham is an MBE because okay. of his contributions to sports, okay. or like uh, I'm trying to think of someone else who's an MBE. Um, anyone who's a Sir, like Sir Ian McKellen, um, will have been like OBE, CBE, and it'll be contributions to dramatic arts or something. What's like
2: that. um, um, Bond? Uh,
0: Daniel Craig. Yeah. yeah, Sir Daniel Craig uh, for contributions to dramatic art. So sometimes they don't have to go through that whole thing of like OBE, cv They can just be like, "You're so fucking famous. Here you go. You're a knight of the realm now. If, All right. if anyone ever tries to kill the queen, <laughs> you have to jump in to save her." So you're okay. still an actual feudal knight, but like no one's gonna like call you to fucking arms to defend the queen. You can still stay in Hollywood in your giant mansion and be fine. Okay. Um, so I yeah, wanna but be a knight though. I know, I do too. Like, and and there's a thing in this country as well. If you donate enough blood, um, you can actually get an OBE. If you donate like a certain amount of blood, you automatically get an OBE. Um, that's never going to happen because I have massive iron deficiencies, so I'm (laughs) never donating blood because I need all my shit. Um, so you you need blood. You do need blood, especially at the rate I lose it. So, um yeah um basically you can get an obe that way but you know you might just be really like might bow down in front of the king like oh how much blood have you donated like please just just give it to me before collapse (laughs) does it have to be my blood (laughs) does it have to yeah does it have to be my blood can you just harvest it from random pigs does it have to be blood no uh, spit i'm sure they'll take spit as well you know just like really help with the Wiping of hands. Yeah, I'm joking. Uh, So, Antigua have given him this knighthood, which I'm sure the royals aren't particularly keen of, but it's a thing that happens. Apparently, I wasn't aware of it, but that can't have helped his ego. By 2008, Stanford was one of the richest men in America, worth an estimated 2.2 billion and living an extravagant jet-setting lifestyle in which he enjoyed power and privilege. According to reports, in a in one three-year period alone, Stanford spent $100 million on aircraft, which included helicopters and private Learjets. He got a G6 or two.
2: That, seems, that. that seems like a legitimate expense, though,
0: because, I oh, mean, yeah. that other dude spent, like, $8 million on underwear. I know, and, like, a fucking car that farts. You know, <laughs> like... I feel like, yeah, you can... The majority of the stuff he's investing in, Learjets and shit like that, you could probably write off a fair chunk of that on tax. Um, less so... Well, maybe helicopters as well. Maybe more so helicopters. But um, he also spent... This week, you couldn't get on tax. Um, he even spent $12 million lengthen- lengthening his yacht by six feet. <laughs> <laughs> that f- so, feels
2: like such a, a phallic issue. I was. T-
0: <laughs> and the first joke that came into my head, and I've written it down here, it's not the size, it's the motion in the ocean. It's such low-hanging fruit. I swear it to God. God. <laughs> it is. Got it. But I, I know that there's a thing, there's like a rule in luxury yachts worlds, where like every meter in length of the yacht is... Uh, 10 million dollars or something like that i think it's either really? like either 10 yeah i think that was that may have been a while ago now but every yard like it meter you build Mm -hmm. is 10 million dollars so if you're um or maybe it's a million dollars so maybe if your thing's like a hundred meters long then it's a hundred million dollars sort of thing and and then if you stack another level on top that's another hundred million dollars and then you can um,
2: ask countries to take down bridges just for you to get in places
0: i know how crazy (laughs) is that shit that's amazing (laughs) that kind of fucking power is amazing see but
2: you're saying he's the second richest dude in america at like 2.3 billion Uh... in 2008
0: at the time one of the richest doesn't say okay. second but he's okay. got 2.2 2 billion so like he's probably uh, this is 2008 obviously financial disaster he's still making a shitload of money so i'd imagine he's probably like top 30 yeah. you know he's, he's like, got kylie jenner money mm. yeah he's got like <laughs> i've started my own line of cosmetics i'm a self-made billionaire you're not <laughs> You're not a self-made billionaire. (laughs) I love that self-made billionaire thing. Nobody is ever a self-made billionaire. They've made it off the backs of a lot of other people. Yeah. Usually.
2: I think you have to. There has to be a certain level of exploitation.
0: Yeah. A little bit. If to get to that level. Exactly. Nobody gets to billionaire status without like fucking over at least a hundred people, you know, I I would agree with that or something. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So he's, he's, extended his yacht by six foot. Um and now let's get to the so at this point, right? It, other than the flamboyant spending of money, which again you can we talked about you can probably get a lot of it on tax. Um that if this is a reasonably okay thing, right? He's just a billionaire being a billionaire at right. this point for the most part. We don't really know a lot about his business. And now we're about to find out um one of the reasons he's more infamous in the UK than most other parts of the world Um, Stanford created and funded the Stanford 2020 cricket tournament in the West Indies, uh, for which he built his own ground in Antigua. The first Stanford 2020 cricket tournament was held in July and August, 2006, where Guyana took first place, defeating Trinidad and Tobago in the final. Just a bit of a thing about cricket. Cricket is huge in certain parts of the world in like mm-hmm. the Caribbean, in um, India, Pakistan, uh, Australia, New Zealand, England, uh, some other countries as well. It's it's ju- it's huge. Right. And um, the 2020 form of the game is really interesting because c- traditional cricket is called test match cricket, which goes on literally for five days. It is... F- Jesus. Yeah, I know. So one match will last five days and each team... Do each... you stop for, like, cookie breaks and shit? Oh, yeah, no, they stop for tea, they stop okay. for lunch, they stop for <laughs> dinner, they stop for bad light, they stop for rain, they stop for fucking everything, I swear okay. to God. So, <laughs> it's it's like, it's own, it's, test cricket is almost always played in the summer, because it's the only way you can guarantee decent weather, and, like, the amount of time you need for it. And, basically, you play until uh, one team has won, and acc- accumulated, um, the most runs they can get in two lots of 50 overs and an over is six bowls. So, so yeah, Uh, you, you bowl the ball six times, you get as many people out or as many runs the opposition team as you can in that. And that's an over. And then you swap sides and then, you know, 49 more to go for the day. So, and bowling is like pitching. Yeah. Basically only slower because they have a run up. So they, they get the ball. Yeah. They do the weird thing. And like, it might spin, it might be fast, it might be a, a full length, it might be half It's Cricket's so fucking stupid. It looks uh, interesting, confusing as hell. It really is, and actually I am fascinated with it in a similar way that I am with baseball, in that I, I, I understand cricket more because I've been to a few matches, and holy shit I'm, never again, but like, <laughs> I kind of, there's something appeals to me, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because it's complicated or because it's like a slower pace game and you've got a lot of interesting statistics and tactics involved in it, which I quite like because it's unusual tactics. You don't think, Oh wow, that guy's there's a plan for this. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So do they stop for sex or smokes? Shane warned Um, He passed away <laughs> recently. So yeah, Google Shane warned. That guy was crazy. Dating Liz Hurley. This random fucking Australian cricketer was dating Liz Hurley for decades um yeah anyway so back to cricket it's weird the 2020 form of cricket is like a shortened version you have 20 overs each you don't have more you have one inning instead of like you go you have 50 overs then we have 50 overs then you have 50 overs and then we have 50 overs and after that time in five days whoever scored the most is the winner this is 20 overs each once so So that's it that's it You get as many runs as you can, and it's really interesting because it's usually faster as well. It happens in, like, maybe three hours this game. So much, much shorter period of time. And, like, the last three overs of the 2020 cricket, these cricketers are just trying to get as many points as possible. So they are are taking ridiculous risks. They're trying to smash this fucking ball all over the place because if you hit it over the boundary without it bouncing, you get six runs. If it rolls along the floor and hits the boundary, you get four And obviously you can hit it uh, towards a fielder and try and run and get as many runs as possible. It's essentially baseball, right? But obviously you get more points if you hit it over the boundary than you do in baseball. But yeah. Right. So 2020 cricket is really popular because it's faster paced. Um, It can be played at night. So there's a bit more of a party atmosphere because they've got floodlights on. Uh, And there's a lot more booze around. (laughs) Not that people don't drink at cricket anyway. But yeah, he, he he funds this tournament. And um, the second, so the first one's won by Guyana, who, you know, South American nation. Uh, okay. So that must be okay. very popular. Uh, they, the, the first tournament's kind of like a, a trial run to see if it'll work. And it does to a certain extent because um, it's very popular. The second tournament took place in January and February 2008 with a global television audience of 300 million people. Damn. That's, that's a shit. And this I is the that. second tournament. I know. It's like a, a fair <laughs> chunk of the planet at that point is watching this this random cricket tournament. And for a second installment, that's a big leap in popularity. Yeah, um, huge. Trinidad, yeah that really is. And Trinidad and Tobago took first place this time and they were awarded $280,000 um, of the Stanford Super Series prize after defeating Middlesex, who are an English cricket club. Um on the oct- October twenty-seventh, two thousand eight. Now, for an audience of three hundred million dollars, uh three hundred million people, that seems like an incredibly low payout.
2: That's what I'm saying. That kind
0: of yeah, that's and and a cricket team, by the way, it's like the same amount of people as a, a baseball team. So like and then you've got the staff, you've got the treatment, you've got the travel. 40. Yeah, you're looking at like 40, at 50 people, that's not a lot of money. You gotta get them there. I mean, I guess a lot of this is paid for by you know sponsorship and shit like that, but You'd want that per player, right? Kind of prize money, yeah. It's like the local band level money, it really is. Sports at that point. So, split this door between the five of you. Here's a hundred (laughs) bucks, yeah. Yeah, And here's here's some money off at uh, bloody subway. Go and enjoy yourself, sort of thing. Uh, isn't Guiana where Jamestown was? Yes, it is that's that's where sorry that's what I was now. trying to, to yes. get in my head if you saw that's me zone out when you said that <laughs> yeah that's where Jim Jones went and made his kool-aid batch um, in 2008 June 2008. Um, Stanford and the England and Wales Cricket Board, the ECB, signed a deal for five 2020 internationals between England and the West Indies All-Star 11, uh, we, you know, combined nations of the West Indies, like okay. the Caribbean, get together, form one All-Star team, go up against England. Uh, total prize money for this one, £12.27 million, pounds, around $20 million, so that's significantly more than the yeah. second tournament uh, to be awarded to the team that won and the, like the losers get half. So you're still making a shitload of money. Right. So, okay. um, yeah, it was the largest ever prize, um, offered to a team for a single tournament. This was in jeopardy after a row with, did you sell the sponsors of the West Indies cricket team who were unhappy about uh, certain sponsor, other sponsors being at the event. But, um, Alan, Uh, I keep forgetting his name, Alan Stanford, amazingly managed to iron all this out because he wanted this to be a big success. So he smoothed everything out, no drop in prize money, and eventually it was won by um, the Stanford superstars, the uh, West Indies 11 All-Stars. They won by 10 wickets. Don't ask me to explain cricket, but that's that's a pretty big win. So they earned their $20 million. (laughs) And like $20 million, you're like, okay, that's set for life money in cricket because cricketers are not particularly well paid because it's not like a massive sport it's more so now but like the average wage for your high level cricketer for a very long time would max out at around about like a hundred thousand pounds a year so like good normal money like if you were in a job that was on a hundred thousand pounds you're like oh my god this is great i'm gonna be able to retire so early but like as a professional athlete that's not a huge amount of money you know you've got a 10 year window to pay that so i would be really really happy to get
2: paid to play a game oh fuck yeah
0: and I would be really
2: really happy to get paid to work out and play a game.
0: Yeah, me too. Like I got a reason like, to go to the gym instead of like wanting to not die young. Sure, give me that one. Yeah. Uh Stanford also owned two newspapers um in Antigua and Barbuda and St Kitts and Nevis. Both co- both called the Sun. <laughs> Uh, they followed. They I'm folded even... in. <laughs> <yeah. coughs> they folded in 2010 for reasons we'll get into shortly. Stanford also owned uh, the Maiden Islands in Antigua and Barb- Barbuda, so we'll get into uh, that now. Maiden Islands is the site of the largest coral reef restoration project performed um, with de- uh, designed artificial reefs called reef balls. In 2004, approximately 3,500 prefabricate, prefabricated reef modules were deployed on all sides of the island, but the primary reef was created on the windward side where they were going to get blasted by you know really powerful winds and was heavily planted with propagated and uh, rescued coral and other marine life. They, um, there were more than 10,000 propagated coral fragments planted on the reef. Uh, by the Reef Ball Foundation, a public non-profit NGO that does reef restoration work around the world, and since then, that island has become a huge habitat for sea nice. life and stuff like that. And a lot of that is down to Alan Stanford. So good for him for yeah. getting in like the help he could in um, this area, because actually, that's the destruction of coral reefs is a huge problem for the oceans, yes, uh, particularly absolutely. the Great Barrier Reef. So, so far, this guy's okay. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, you know? other than wanting to be bigger than he is and stuff. Yeah. I think. Other than leaning into the sur part and the... Yeah. Um, being a little douchey. So, yeah, some of the billionaire behavior, which I kind of feel like I might get sucked into if I had that kind of money. Like, uh, yeah, $10 million, <laughs> $12 million to make my ship a bit bigger. Why not? I need an extra bathroom. You know, why not? I'm have an ensuite. That- suite right you know like i think it would probably be that stupid but um you're about to get we're about to get to the reasons why he's here in the first place okay. um the fbi and other agencies investigated stanford starting in 2008 for possible involvement in money laundering for mexico's gulf cartel uh oh Ac- <laughs> yeah according <clears throat> to the new york times stanford once held a cook islands trust called baby mama which <laughs> with his mistress and two children as beneficiaries. That's so stupid, dude. He Jesus. named it Baby Mama. <laughs> I know. He called it Baby Mama. In two sentences, we've gone from this guy formed coral reefs. He funded cricket tournaments. Rah, 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 to the FBI are investigating drug cartel money. Uh, cook trust called Baby Mama with his mistress and two children. It's like, wow. In two sentences, this guy has gone really down in everyone's estimation. So. He
2: got into the family business with the cartels
0: he really did apparently yeah it's <laughs> it's starting to sound you know money laundering um uh, the, sorry the trust protected proceeds deposited into a swiss and isle of man bank accounts from the sale of a 2.5 million dollar florida home so he's uh-huh. he's laundered money right gotcha. that's a, well, I mean, nobody has a swiss bank account or an isle of man bank account unless you're laundering money um it's basically turned into an episode of ozark at this point like oh my god we need to launder cartel money how are we gonna do that yeah (laughs) i'll i'll set up a cricket league uh that's no one will suspect a thing we'll just get the money out that way everyone likes cricket right we'll just put the money there i i never would have suspected a thing It's brilliant (laughs) it's so funny uh the united states court of appeal um have I skipped over? No. The United States Courts of Appeal for the Fifth Circuit affirmed much of the United States tax court's ruling, found that Stanford and his wife Susan, not his mistress, um, under underreported their 1990 federal taxes to the tune of $423,531.36. That's just for one year between the two of them. So, hey, it's not like it was... Uh... Never mind. I wasn't gonna get into the other guy from Florida that overclaims ah, yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the Florida seems to be the ground zero for a lot of kind of crazy shit in your country. It is. <laughs>
2: well, I mean it the whole thing looks like a penis, so
0: Yeah, makes sense that people go a bit mad in, in the in country's penis um (laughs) but yeah so one so he's got a federal tax thing lingering over his head in 2008 uh public records suggest that um stanford actually owed hundreds of millions of dollars in federal taxes there are four federal tax liens from 2007 and 2008 against stanford totaling more than 212 million dollars jesus that's 20 nicholas cage's that's, that's yeah, a shitload of money. That's a big debt. That's thirty. That's thirty Wesley Snipes. <laughs> that's 30 million. That's a lot. How many of Willie Nelsons t- is it? How many Willie? That's got to be like forty Willie Nelsons. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, that's all. That I mean, two hundred and twelve million. It that's shows the kind of money, of money this guy was making. To oh yeah, oh, that kind of tax money. Because creative accounting would have got that down anyway, right? It so yeah. yeah. I mean, Christ, I know accountants that could get my taxes down, so why the hell $212 million in back taxes? You would have had Uh, to have made a shit ton to owe that much. And we'll get into how he did that right now. Um, Reports surfaced in early 2009 that the SEC, the FBI, the Florida Office of Financial Regulation, which is just like one dude in a Hawaiian shirt or something, (laughs) and the Financial Industry Regulation Authority, a major U.S. private sector oversight body, We're investigating Stanford Financial Group, questioning the consistently higher-than-market returns which Stanford International Bank claimed to make for its depositors. Hmm. Hmm. This is starting to sound a little familiar, isn't it? It is, a little bit. A former executive told SEC f- officials that Stanford presented hypothetical investment results as actual historical data in sales pitches to clients. He's literally making this shit up and they're like, oh, all right. <laughs> um, Stanford claimed his certificates of deposits were as safe or safer, safer than the U.S. government insured accounts. Um, elite cable message from the US Embassy in the Bahamas reported as early as two thousand and six, which was when he was made a sir, that companies under Stanford's control were rumored to engage in bribery, money laundering, and political manipulation. The ah. US ambassador to the Bahamas at the time was reported to have managed to stay out of one of one-on-one photos with Stanford during a charity breakfast event because he was so worried about the destruction of his. Reputation by being pictured with this guy. This is two thousand and six. That okay.
2: And so, then the the cricket things two thousand eight.
0: Yep. So okay. at this point, he's already like, mm, this guy's a bit fucking shifty. Maybe we should yeah. stay away from him. No, he's giving us shitloads of money. Um, federal agents. Rated the offices of Stanford Financial on February 17th. I was going to say 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, (laughs) 2009. And treated it as a kind of crime scene, cautioning people not to leave fingerprints. Fuck, mate. The SEC charged Stanford with massive ongoing fraud. I love that they had to, like, it's not just fraud. It's massive fraud. Um, Not a little bit. No, uh, quite a lot. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Canted cantered on an eight billion dollar investment scheme. Stanford's assets, along with those of his company, were fro companies, sorry, were frozen and placed into receivership by u s. federal judge um who ordered Stanford to surrender his passport around about this time, Stanford um and Baldwin Spencer, Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda. And a former ally began verbally feuding in public Uh um, over the scandal. Both of them pointing fingers at each other going, you fucking knew more than you're letting on. (laughs) And then they go, yeah, well, you fucking knew way more than I fucking did. (laughs) So it's like, why would you do this? You're already under investigation by the SEC, the FBI, fucking the government, tax people. And you're like, I'm just going to piss off the prime minister of a a country now. Yeah, I, I don't have enough trouble. Nah, I'm just going to kick up some some more dirt. Um, So CNBC reported that Stanford tried to flee the country on the same day as the raids on his headquarters. He contacted a private jet owner and attempted to pay for a flight to Antigua with a credit card but was refused because the company would only accept a wire transfer. I've got a signed cricket bat. Will you take that? Please <laughs> put me on a fucking plane. <laughs> He's bartering his way out. Yeah, please. I'll do anything. Wire transfer. No, I haven't got any assets. Just take this. Um, on February 19th, acting at the request of the SEC, FBI agents located Stanford at his girlfriend's house. Oh, at In the baby mama's place. Yeah, there it is. That's where the money's going. Uh, in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Wow, he fucking made off, didn't he? And served him with civil legal papers filed by the SEC. The SEC often files civil charges before criminal charges are filed. Stanford was arrested on June 18th, 2009. He surrendered his passport to federal prosecutors and hired criminal defense lawyer Brendan Sullivan, who had also represented Ollie North.
1: Ollie oh, oh, okay the
0: man who sold arms to Iran allegedly for drug money. He was just, yeah, you know, he was a patsy who ended up working for Fox News. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, it, will, will you take some of the time away from me, Ollie? And I'll make sure you get an anchor job. Okay, President. Okay. So, yeah. Um, various governments took over stanford's business operations the east eastern caribbean central bank announced that it had taken over the local operations of the bank of antigua which was renamed eastern caribbean uh, amalgamated bank why would you call it that it's so hard to read Um, the venezuelan government took over stanford bank venezuela the branch of stanford's bank in the nation now i'm sorry but if you've got a bank of your own in venezuela then there's something very weird going on right because that is a that country has not been exactly what you'll call a bastion of financial security for the last like 30 years what are you doing i feel like it's a communist nation
2: i feel like if you own a bank in venezuela and you're not venezuelan Mm. you might be up to
0: something yeah, you know, maybe maybe move it to Panama where it's slightly less suspicious. No. um, On the 27th of February 2009, the SEC said that Stanford and his accomplices operated a massive Ponzi scheme. There it is. We all knew it was coming. Um, yeah. Misappropriated billions of dollars of investors' money and falsifying the Stanford International Bank's records to hide their fraud. Stanford International Bank's financial statements included... Um, its investment income are fictitional the SEC have said in an interview on April 20th at the law offices of Houston criminal attorney Dick DeGuerin um, that's definitely someone's porn name um, Stanford (laughs) denied any (laughs) Dick DeGuerin uh, Stanford denied any wrongdoing. His companies had been well run, he claimed, until the SEC disemboweled them which is a really odd choice of words in this situation I guess. Ripped their guts right out. I, I guess so. Yeah, that makes sense. But, like, you know, <laughs> blaming the SEC, I, I, they to yeah. come in at a certain point, right?
2: Well, yeah, that's the thing. I was doing really good until they fucking caught me.
0: i was i was stealing quite happily um on june 18th 2009 stanford was taken into custody by fbi agents on the 25th of june 2009 he appeared in a houston court and pleaded not guilty to charges of fraud conspiracy and obstruction of justice on the 27th of august 2009 stanford was admitted into the conroe texas regional medical center he complained of a racing heart while being transported from the private prison in Huntsville, Texas, to the federal courthouse in Houston to attend a hearing concerning his attorney, Dick DeGuerin, who had asked the court for permission to withdraw from Stanford's case. Wow, even the porn star lawyer doesn't want to be involved in this shit. Um, (laughs) Dick's out. Dick's out. Dick DeGuerin (laughs) out. Um, And yeah, so he's doing the, the, the... This is what every criminal does right when they get arrested. Like, oh, oh, my heart! Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, and like they go to the hospital, and like eight hours later, they're like, Yeah, there's nothing wrong with him. Oh, uh, see, them I'm back.
2: hoping his cartel connections come in here on the way to the
0: hospital, <laughs> I bust him out, Grand yeah. Theft Auto style. Yeah. Oh my god, uh, Robert Luskin of Pat- Patton Boggs which had previously been representing Stanford in a simultaneous civil case, was to be lead counsel. On the 26th of September 2009, Stanford was hospitalized again, this time due to injuries sustained while being severely beaten, I shouldn't laugh about this, by another inmate in the Cornell Company's operated Joe Corley Detention Facility in Conroe, um, his injuries were described as non-life-threatening, probably because he was like, give me your fucking tater tots, give me your fucking gravy, give me your biscuits. He's like, no, these are mine. And then, boom, fucking yeah. beaten down. Yep. Someone called him a bitch in prison, right? And he just, like, you can't take that, you have to get in a fight now. Because if, you, if you're if you called a bitch and you don't step up, you're just a right. bitch for life then. So, yeah. yeah, well, then he get his ass beat this fucking 60-year-old man <laughs> stepping up to hardened criminals. Uh, um, in October 2009, <laughs> the National Honours Committee in Antigua you voted unanimously uh, to strip Stanford of his knighthood. What the fuck were they doing giving it to him in the first place? On the yeah. 2nd of November 2009, the recommendation was forwarded to the Governor-General, Dame Louise Lake-Tack. Uh, the order to revoke Stanford's knighthood was ins- and insignia was approved and was uh, served upon Stanford on April 1st, 2010, while he was in prison, recovering from injuries. So you've got your ass beaten, but at least you've lost your title. I got two things. You can avoid
2: getting your ass beaten in prison. Yeah. Real easy. It's one step. Yeah, Don't run a Ponzi scheme
0: and go to prison. (laughs) 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 Don't steal money from people. They don't like you. Did you hear about what happened to Bernie Madoff when he got into prison? Huh. this is really weird right the thing with bernie made off and it's hard to believe given how much money he's stolen he's a really likable guy apparently like people just genuinely like being around him except his okay. kids who fucking hated him but um he got into prison and made friends with all of these inmates and started giving them financial advice a lot of which they talk and it was a whole weird thing but the one of the first things he did when he got into prison in America was he bought up every single packet of ramen noodles that he could oh. on the can- on the, the canteen there and he sold it to other inmates at twice the price it would have been had they bought it from the store
2: yeah he ran so, he ran he ran his uh, uh his own
0: in jail hustle I mean I kind of feel like if, if people like you you shouldn't be doing shit like that like you you you're in prison right the best thing to do is to kind of curry favor with people. That is how you do it right there. If you're running yeah.
2: the the inside commissary like he was, I'm imagining he's the dude mm. that's the guy to get things from. Exactly. So yeah. but obviously they, they like him
0: whether they want to like him or not. Mm, that's a good point, actually. I hadn't considered mm. that, that. It's like, yeah, he controls it, so therefore we have to be nice to him. Sort yeah, he's that, a small bears. move. Yeah. Yeah. He's in club fed, and while it's supposed to be easier, I'd imagine he's still concerned for his safety. So if he makes himself important, then... He's less likely to get beaten up or stabbed or something like that. The hustle never ends. Indeed, Toasterzoid, it never, ever stops. Um, so in March 2010, have I skipped over here? No, I haven't. In March 2010, the SEC Inspector General General ooh, H. David Cotts issued a report finding that the SEC had failed to uncover the Ponzi scheme perpetrated by Stanford because of concerns raised by former SEC Chief Investigator David P. Weber of Improper Conduct by Cotts. Investigator General David C. Williams of the U.S. Postal Service was brought in to conduct an independent review. The Williams report found that Cotts himself appeared to have a conflict of interest because he had a personal relationship with an attorney representing Stanford's victims. Oh. Yeah. The guy brought in to investigate this whole thing was banging one of the opposition councils oh, so okay that's not good don't so sleep I bet with it the could people. go her way yeah um, yeah that's hmm. that's not a good decision don't sleep with your opposing council or, or people who are on the, the wrong side of you it's always gonna end up going yeah. bad it's all romeo and juliet right there it is yeah it's so <laughs> romantic uh <laughs> involving massive fraud Uh, Stanford's trial date was set for January 2011. The district judge deemed that uh, Stanford's anti-anxiety drug addiction impaired his judgment and therefore made him unfit to stand trial. I didn't know you could get hooked on anti-anxiety drugs. I just Uh, thought that they made you sleepy. The benzos, really? Yeah, benzos are really bad. Oh, like. of course, benzodiazepine. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Um, Stanford was incarcerated at the Federal Detention Center in Houston. Um, in February 2011, Stanford issued a counterclaim of $7.2 billion of damages against the FBI and the SEC. Good luck with that one, buddy. Yeah. Oh, I was trying to see the government there. I don't think that's going to go well. Uh, in May, prosecutors dropped seven charges against stanford leaving only 14 um so <laughs> yeah, walk in the park <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fine we'll get off scot-free that's fine it's 21 down to 14 um in november 2 uh, november 5 2011 stanford was being held at the federal medical center at the federal federal correctional complex butner in butner north carolina this guy's gone all over the fucking country at this point yeah, different it's prisons it's kind of crazy. Probably... Yeah, I mean, it's nice to travel, but the accommodations aren't so good. (laughs) Yeah, the food is severely lacking. Um, His attorneys claim that Stanford was unfit to stand trial, get this, due to amnesia, resulting from the injury sustained when he was attacked over the tater tots or whatever the fuck it was. They're trying soap opera storylines now. Right. He (laughs) fell off his horse, and he had to get a brain (laughs) transplant from Susan. (laughs) And his evil twin yeah gave him his liver and oh, it had rabies and, and then worked. oh my god this is hilarious amnesia come on on <clears throat> december 22nd 2011 happy christmas he's found guilty uh, he's found competent sorry to stand trial ah, but that that comes later um uh, district us district district attorney david hitner um put that through the trial began on january the 24th 2012 man they didn't hang around it's normally like they set a date and it's like way down right. the line, right? Like months and then there's continuations. It's like take years right for to, the shit
2: or no, on. didn't waive his right to a speedy trial. He just went after no. it. Okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, please don't take me to trial. I'm fucked. Hurry up and get um, my ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm always in hospital. I don't like it here. Um at the Houston Federal Courthouse, Judge Hitner presiding. Um it started on January twenty-fourth, um, on March sixth, after three hours of deliberation. So a month and a half after the start of the trial, the jury convicted him of masterminding a Ponzi scheme. Prosecutors okay. sought a sentence of two hundred and thirty years in prison. Uh, <laughs> the maximum. I oh, know. That's that's kind of crazy. That's a lot of years. That's a lot of lifetimes, right there. Tesla said it. a brick fell on his head, and now he can only speak and understand Spanish. I like that storyline. There you go. Yes, <laughs> in a coma for a season so that they can do some contract negotiations. Um, mm-hmm. Prosecutor sought 230 years in prison, the maximum permitted by law, and 80 more years than the 150-year sentence handed to Bernie Madoff, um, calling him uh, a ruthless predator who uh, lived a life steeped in deceit. I mean, yeah. Um, Stanford's lawyers pressed for a sentence of 31 to 44 months. And a maximum of 10 years. The former sentence with credit for time served would have seen him walk out of prison uh, without further jail time and random beatings at the hands of psychopaths.
2: Hmm.
0: Mm, I don't think 31 months is enough for like $212 billion that's, million that's, dollars of fraud.
2: That's like the, the range is like.
0: It's so massive. I know. We're talking 30, like... 31 months or 230 years, whichever comes <laughs> first yeah exactly like you can either go in you can either go to prison for and miss a season of game of thrones or or you can go to prison and be released when democracy is finished you know it's, it's like <laughs> such a massive difference in time it's it's kind of like when you're talking to the police like you say you've been robbed or something and they're like how tall was the offender well they were between three foot eight and nine foot tall like it just <laughs> that's not helpful at all um, on the and, uh, so the according to um, Peter Henning of the New York Times, judges have been more willing to impose sentences for financial fraudsters that effectively amount to life sentences in recent years. The extent to which such frauds wreck people's lives, Henning wrote, amounts to economic homicide. I completely agree with this point, and such outsized sentences are a way to express society's anger at such conduct. I agree. Because yeah. this doesn't just ruin people's lives, it ruins generations. It ruins families for it, generations to come. It but does they never and recover from that shit. For real. And that's some that's one of the things that I was thinking
2: about life wise is like mm. financial crimes, murder, and uh the other one that I don't want to mm. say. Um oh, okay, assault yeah, sure. <clears throat> assault. A, there we go. Okay of yeah. an unfortunate nature. Yeah, okay. Um I think those are those are those are the base crimes right there
0: and yeah. I think financial crimes are just as bad as the other two. I know. I think because there's like mm. historically there's less emotion attached to financial crimes and it's seen as like white collar crime and it's less again it's less salacious so people yeah. take it kind of less seriously for some reason. So. I think yeah, you don't see
2: it as much too yeah. the fact that there's, you know, 300 families that now are going to have drug addicts and alcoholics that yeah. are driving around killing people on the roads and, you know, yeah.
0: it's, just, it's a trickle-down effect. It is a massive trickle-down effect, far more so than something like murder or, you know, other crimes, because mm-hmm. that, that affects, I mean, obviously those are terrible crimes and they affect specific people a, a huge amount and stuff, but when you bankrupt people and ruin dozens of people financially and steal money from them, it they can turn to drugs they can turn to violence they can steal they can go bankrupt they can they can die they can you know have their lives significantly shortened other people who rely on them for money businesses go out other people lose their jobs you know the knock-on effects can be globally huge yes as we found with bernie madoff you know there are people who have are still trying to recover from that today hundreds of people worldwide were were robbed by this guy so i agree that actually there should be higher sentences for financial crimes and actually far more scrutiny to stop them from happening in the first place um but on june 14th 2012 stanford was sentenced to 110 years in prison
1: um
0: yeah although it's less than half the sentence sought by prosecutors it ensures that he will obviously spend uh, the rest of his life in prison. It would be really funny if it didn't, if he came out in 110 years' time. It like, oh, oh, well, oh, nice to be back out again. You know, Well, like if that happened, <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we have other <clears throat> concerns then. He may be supernatural. Yeah, um, it's a totally the... <laughs> different uh, primetime show than yeah. the soap opera show. Yeah, True Blood <laughs> becomes a very different show <laughs> if, if it's involving financial crime. Um, The judge also ordered Stanford to forfeit $5.9 billion, saying that Stanford had orchestrated, I know, one of the most uh, egregious frauds ever presented to a trial jury in federal court at sentencing. Stanford spoke for the first time in the proceedings. He dodged being on the the stand because, you know, he'd probably try and grasp someone and get beaten up in prison again. Um, Denying that he had ever swindled anyone, And he blamed his company's failure on the Gestapo tactics of government regulators. The government Uh, made me steal.
2: Oh, (laughs) God. That sounds so familiar. There's like somebody I I feel like having the same problems. Um, Yeah.
0: It was the government's fault. Yeah. The
2: the government's fault that I did things that
0: are illegal. Yeah. that I took sensitive information. Yes. um yeah supernatural con artist yeah that's that, that, that we should pitch that netflix hey we've hey. got we've got a show for you um <laughs> so uh, sentencing so he said that he, uh, the government is responsible um he's incarcerated <clears throat> at coleman 2 usp okay. in Sumterville, florida his uh-huh. earliest possible release date is march 13th 2103 at Jeez. which time he would be 152 years old, <laughs> and Duck Dodgers is running around, running amok in 2103. Yeah, Sorry. my God, he <clears> gets out at 20. He gets out in 2103, and 152 years old. They're 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 going to have to look into what they've been feeding him in prison because he's Coleman two USP. Um, is that that's, that's not going to be like a, a minimum security, is it? Because it's a financial crime, so. It, Would it might be Martha be. Stewart. Like it might be.
2: It's a this... it's a U.S. prison. Co- I don't hmm. know. USP is that's all that is. Uh yeah. It's not a yeah. supermax. I don't think. No, know.
0: he's not gone to Colorado or anything like that. Like the supermax that they've got there. But yeah, like I remember when Martha Stewart went to prison and they had like a the fucking prison had like a spa and all sorts of shit on there. So yeah, it was a bit yeah. light on the punishment. She got away. It's a with high it security, a high okay.
2: security United States penitentiary. Right. So yeah. it's
0: it's no walk in the park. It's still razor wire and beatings. So Maybe. It says level yeah. one. I don't know. All level right. one. All right. Yeah. So standard prison for this guy. Uh, but if he's smart enough, he'll buy up all the ramen and he'll be set for life. Um, on April um, 26th, 2013, federal district district judge David God- Godby uh, sided with the SEC in its civil suit against Stanford and ordered him to disgorge, nice word, $6.7 <laughs> $6. billion yeah. in league in illegal profits and eight hundred and sixty sixty one million in interest alone um, and pay $5.9 billion in fines. He was permanently bar- uh, barred from the securities industry. I don't think that's going to be an issue where he's going. Godby wrote that Stanford had carried out the fraud for over a decade with a high degree of scienter. Scienter? Scienter. That's knowledge of what you were doing and that okay. it was illegal. Um, Stanford filed a 299-page brief in September 2014 with the 5th US, uh, U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans on his conviction. The appeal was rejected in October 2015. I would have loved to have read those 299 pages i bet they're full of amnesia and the government did it and do you want this cricket bat if you let me out sort of thing <laughs> i, I was, just
2: uh, yeah it can't be any worse than timothy dexter's book that was no, just punctuations and
0: spaces yeah just like although that would uh, be cool it's all the jewish people's fault not me uh, it's like a kanye west tweet Um, so, so, um, yeah, that's the story of Alan Stanford currently serving. Uh, I mean, he, he might be out soon, you know, he's, he's only got what, like 80 odd years to wait. So, you know, hang in there, Alan, we believe in you. I think Um, the question that comes to mind though, is did they take his boat? I would hope so. The thing is, right. Do you take all of the boat or do you leave him the six feet that he added on afterwards? Because that (laughs) might not be on the original, Like blue slip, right? That might not be part of the original purchase. So he's like, "That's mine. That came out of my pocket. Leave me that six feet. That's where I'm going to live when I get out. It's got an ensuite." Well, that's that's what I was going to say. They they ordered him to give all this money, like give Mm. it all. He's going to be in prison. Yeah, what's he going to do with it? Uh, It's not like guess you'd give some to his baby mama and the kids. Well, yeah, I mean they've already got their own private fund, I think (laughs) they call baby mama. But yeah, like have you the the Bernie Madoff's ex wife who divorced him, like, immediately when all of this shit came out, um, is living in, like, how would you put it? Kind of, like, significantly worse off than she was when she was with him, right? But, like, she is still living in a, like, two-bedroom apartment somewhere. I I can't remember where it was. I think it might have been Florida as well, or I might just be imagining that. But she is okay. She can't work, but because of, like certain things she still has a stipend that comes in that is that allows her to live at a certain like a level
2: 2200 square foot two bedroom apartment though
0: sort of thing yeah like yeah. you might have access to a communal garden sort of thing so yeah yeah
2: i guess i don't know this guy sucks
0: yeah he's like he that really payday does. loan
2: guy too they came and took all this shit and sent him to jail and he's like it wasn't my fault those people should have <laughs> been smarter
0: yeah, exactly. Like it wasn't my fault if you were stupid enough to get invested in my scheme that I sold you on. So right. yeah, I, I I don't like Alan stuff at all. Well,
2: one of the things that popped up to me is he was doing uh cricket tournaments, right? Yeah. And that's really popular in India and Pakistan and mm-hmm. I don't understand. He knew this is coming. He's right. got all of this money. Yeah. He's got connections to move around in those areas why doesn't he do like that one dude that did uh cryptocurrency disappear yep. fake his death there's a big industry <sighs> in india right around that same time with faking your death
0: exactly and we would probably we'll hopefully get to that guy because i still think there's a story there i still think that guy's still fucking alive he's somewhere living, he's definitely living it up somewhere nice but yeah you're right like He knew that there was shit going on for like a year, because he he was obviously informed the day of, because he was trying to get a fucking private jet out. So why wouldn't you like, because you know there's something going on, why wouldn't you move to a non-extradition country? You've already got holdings in Venezuela, right? They're not going to extradite you or... I don't know, Iran or, like, there. there's a bunch of countries that don't have extradition treaties with, with the United States or allies or whatever, and there's some really random, random ones. I remember, like, I looked into going on holiday to Nepal because it's really cheap there. Too. Okay. Like, yeah, every, everything's really cheap in Nepal, or at least it was until, like, the earthquakes hit, but uh, Nepal has no extradition treaties. That was just a random piece of information. I was like, why? And it was because they're, like, stuck between india and china and stuff so they don't want to play favors because they don't want to upset anyone but right. yeah you could go and live like a king in nepal at ridiculously high altitude and why wouldn't he have done that this i don't doesn't make any yeah. sense and that's that gets him extra idiot points right there because oh, yeah.
2: he's an asshole and an idiot
0: <laughs> yeah he really is <laughs> um, um and he doesn't seem to understand that like it, okay a lot of capitalism and a lot of stuff around financial things are a a little bit of gray. There's always a little bit of gray in the way people make money. Some people get shafted, whether it's longer work hours or less pay or whatever it might be. There's always something there whenever someone makes enough money that there's always a bit of funniness around their rise to power. Someone's taken a hit for them to be successful at some point. But what he doesn't understand is that there aren't millions and millions of businessmen going to prison For Ponzi schemes, he seems to have either no insight or just is in complete denial. Because, like they said, they they found him guilty in science or whatever it is, because he knew exactly what he was doing was illegal, but he doesn't care.
2: And that's that's
0: why he should stay in prison. It's some of those situations where it's like,
2: dude, the old school egalitarian tribal sort of way of living is like, you people, you suck. You can't abide by our rules. You failed twice, and you're super horrible. Go away. Yeah, exactly. And I agree with that, but not because but not in our current systems.
0: Yeah, I think there there are ways and means. I, I'm a little bit more give people an opportunity to rehabilitate, learn from their mistakes, and multiple second chances because we we are humans, we're prone to errors, and actually it's really important that people are given an opportunity to grow and learn from their mistakes because it sometimes make them makes them much better people yes um ironically i've been watching she hulk and one of the best things about that show is neil blonsky's character the uh, the abomination is actually completely reformed and it's really? really cool to see yeah completely reformed in the series spoiler alert but oh. um tim uh what's his name the the actor who plays him who was in pulp fiction as well um mm. he's really good it's all quite light-hearted it's a very light-hearted show uh, she hulk it's very Kind of, I'm gonna have to
2: check that
0: one. That's a Hulu or Disney. I think it's Disney Plus. Um, So, yeah, they're they're, It's the same company, isn't it? But yeah, it's like I was quite it was nice to see that they've taken this guy who's been in prison for 15 years in the storyline and it's all played for laughs, but actually, he's like he's completely rehabilitated and he's like a genuinely nice guy now. I like that as a storyline device, like he's learned from his mistakes. I like so. that too.
2: I just don't trust it.
0: No, I know. Well, actually're gonna <laughs> the character's gonna be in like um they're gonna do a Thunderbolts show with like all the the kind of criminals and stuff are gonna be in there. So um I, I like it as a device, but actually in the real world, I don't think enough people are given second chances and opportunities to learn from their mistakes. I do feel that there are examples around us, even since we started this podcast with the fucking Paul brothers. I mean, they're still not great people, but they seem to be improving as human beings, surprisingly. Ah, oddly, yeah. yeah. Like,
2: my son is is guiding me in the, the
0: removal of my hate of both of them. I know. I was... Oh. When... when Was it Logan? I guess it's Logan who was calling for UFC fighters to be paid a minimum of $50,000 per fight. I'm like, yeah, they should be. Enough right? of this, like $11,000 to get your fucking head kicked in. Yeah, Bullshit. like how much does it cost to treat a concussion? I know, and like... How much are you going to shorten your career? Uh, Wasn't Abomination stuck at the bottom of the ocean? I I, know he's in, but he's in federal prison in the show and like she Hulk, Jennifer Walters is arguing for his release and it's, it's a nice dynamic. Um, So yeah. um, But uh, yeah, I I don't know. Um, Sorry. I I got, I got completely lost track of where we were talking there, but yeah, Logan Paul, I feel like he's growing up now. Finally, And, like, starting to realize the power that he wields and maybe he's becoming a better person and easier to deal with. So, I I mean, there's still shit in his past and stuff is coming out all the time about everyone. But I do feel like second chances are an option. But really, when you're in prison for 110 years, this guy, he's also of an age where, like, I doubt he's going to change. Like, he was in his mid to late 60s at that point. You know, he lives a good enough life fucking people over that he can live a shitty life for the next prison.
2: Yeah, so yeah. I want to give him extra points for screwing people over, or points for screwing people over and being an asshole, so that'll put him yeah. up to a sea idiot. Sure. Then, <laughs> he wasn't smart enough to use his travel and cricket no. tournament to escape the charges and stuff that he yeah, knew it's, were coming, it's a and fuck he wasn't smart enough to use his friends with the damn cartel and the bank no. he owned in Venezuela I know. to save his own ass, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, this dude's at least an eighty
2: yeah, an eighty-three.
0: Eighty-three. I, I like that number. And you're absolutely right. I hadn't even considered like the cartel connections and the Venezuelan authorities like just go. He's like, disappearance to Mexico. Or yeah. Really cocky. I know. I I guess so. And like maybe he was super comfortable and was like, ah, it's never gonna happen. They're never gonna come for me and stuff. But they clearly were. They were clearly onto him. Um so yeah, I, I will gladly take an eighty-three for Alan Stanford because It's such a huge amount of money and such a devastating effect on the people around him. But yeah, unfortunately, this seems to every five, ten years we get one of these, right? We get a Ponzi or a Bernie Madoff or something like that. Or Elizabeth Holmes. Or Elizabeth Holmes or some fucking random crypto douchebag. And there's plenty of those lingering around. So that's coming. The crypto world is going to be, I mean, it already is full of hucksters and and cons. Oh, yeah. Yep. So we'll wait and see what happens there.
2: I randomly get distracted by shiny
0: things. And what is this shirt you got here? Oh, that's ah. James Dean. James so, Dean, uh, the president, the president of the United States. What are we waiting for? the uh, AI so, president, huh? The AI. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Apparently Matt, um uh, Matt, Matthew Patrick, Matt Pat from uh, Game Theory, thinks I'm a fucking AI. I take that as a compliment. He thinks yeah. that it was so convincing that it was an AI. But no, I'm a human. I have feelings. Prick me, I will bleed. It's uh, good stuff, man. All, yeah. all of
2: that. Now I've gone through and watched all of that. And I'm excited oh. to see what's coming out on the the projects here. But mm. I try to follow along on the Discord on
0: yeah there's there's so much happening in our world and then like i need to i've got like four ideas that i need to get down on paper but we both work so hard it's difficult to get anything done isn't it in your spare time because you've got to you've got other stuff to do you got the commitments you've got your work and then you've got to do all the chores and you've got to be a family person and man yeah, i uh hey yes what are we waiting for buy the shirt so i'll take that Uh, that's going to get clipped there's a new sorry just randomly because we're gonna we're gonna go off air in a minute but there's a new thing called lev dog which has come to the forefront so people in the monument mythos discord have created a meme and they found a picture of a dog with the pair of glasses that are strikingly similar to mine (laughs) on and they're like it's lev as a dog (laughs) so now i'm a meme and it's randomly lev dog appearing in a gif Saying something completely random, like hey, welcome to my Roblox channel or or something like that, or yeah, See, the body you know is you've made it, yeah, because I'm a meme now of a dog and the dog is adorable, so I don't mind the meme at all. To be but it yeah, I, I've become a meme, I like that I've made it to that point in my life where my voice is being used and I'm memed. Yeah. That's
2: that's awesome. I gotta do live left, or...
0: that. yes,
2: indeed. <laughs> i like, yeah you know, look, I honestly I would say that it was busy, but I really just kind of climbed into a
0: hole for a little while and hey it's, everyone does it man you know and mm-hmm. and the reason we climb into holes is because there's a lot of shit going on, you know that you don't just like randomly you know there's something going on that has has got you to that stage so yep. um do you do you have an image of this tostazoid if you go on Twitter or Instagram, if you search up Levdog, I don't think it's made its way onto. Google just yet, but we'll um, it's here. certainly out there. Um, I've mentioned it on Twitter, so yeah, it's it's on go. my Twitter somewhere. Have you have you found something? Uh, but yeah, uh... if you Google Lev Dog, um, I believe there's a rapper called Lev Dog or a musician. Oh, Lev Dog as well. Yeah. Well, at least you didn't make me Google Blue Waffle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that would have been bad, or D's nuts, or something like that. Oh yeah. So, no, yeah, I'm kids. not seeing
2: it yet on the Google, no. but I bet you it'll be there in no time.
0: It'll be there soon. You get yourself on Twitter, and you can you can find Left Dog re- relatively easily. Uh, so <laughs> so yeah, um, don't ever apologize for like getting into a situation where you need time. Everyone needs time, and like I have so much stuff I want to do. I've got a load of voice stuff piled up that I need to do. I've got like five different voices. Um I'm working on I've managed to do Francis Bourgeois which I think is brilliant. I've managed to do an impression have you ever heard of Francis Bourgeois? Huh. Google Francis Bourgeois okay. it's the funniest fuck it's it's the most pure beautiful thing you will ever see in your life. Um I ca- I found it I can't unsee it it's perfect. It is isn't it <laughs> Left dog is kind of perfect. Um yeah Francis Bourgeois I've got to see a locomotion here and it's traveling at a certain speed and you don't see these Class 36 locomotives anymore. Really wonderful to see one in the wild. Uh, oh. Yeah, it, Francis Bourgeois is so funny. And I've been working on uh, Hitchcock, which I really like. I like doing Hitchcock. Yeah, to go inside and talk with the London accent. And... Yeah, so, um, but I've got that we've got minkowski's continuum happening and a lot of that i'm like right i'm gonna have to wait till christmas to do that because i've got so much shit going on but don't ever feel bad about taking time for yourself it's so important to do that holy shit well,
2: i'm we're, glad we're guys that,
0: have... that... what i was gonna say we're guys of a generation who were never told to be able to do that you know
2: right and and honestly i guess i could take this platform to say that it's cool and i appreciate that uh you're so understanding on it that sometimes stuff can get to be a little overwhelming and uh it's kind of normal to get the yips or oh god anxiety where you just shut down and if you don't deal with it you end up in a situation like i was in last week where you need time you shut down shut down (laughs) you absolutely
0: and and it's it's so important that men especially take care of their own mental health i mean the the, ep- the epidemic of male suicide and mental health issues is such a big problem for men in this generation and the younger generations as well and the, i i do feel slightly envious of the younger generations the gen z gen z kids because you know we're both like elder millennials and you know we kind of people a few years older than us the gen x's and stuff We they were we were told from a very young age you do not talk about your feelings you do not engage in like and, and the british as well as american the culture is you just get on with shit and you do it and you know stop crying what the fuck's the matter with you you pansy that yeah. sort of shit you know like you're not allowed to look into your mental health whereas our kids and the younger generation like i'm so glad that they have the ability to have insight into their own feelings and they're like right i'm just going to take myself off the internet for a couple of weeks or i'm just going to I'm going to have a a mental health day or I'm I'm going to have a day to myself and shit. So it's it's so important for men of our age to uh, not only discuss that, but to deal with that shit, to take days to just be yourself and to be unwell and to be, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Because, my God, we're in our 40s. We're not going to live a huge amount more. Let's fucking enjoy it and relax. And to be fair, you
2: never know when you're going out. So keep yourself as comfortable and happy as possible, man. Shit
0: yes and on that note i'm going to go and eat a load of junk food before bed uh no not really just maybe <laughs> a packet of crisps um so uh, yeah francis does sound boring uh, google francis bourgeois he's, he's quite big on instagram and and tiktok it's fucking hilarious and amazingly pure he attaches he's a train spotter and he attaches a 360 fisheye lens camera to his head staring directly back at him. So his eyes are going off in that direction <laughs> while he's going, oh, there's a train going by. Hello. Oh, It, it honks at him and he goes, oh, 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 And he gets really excited. It's the funniest oh. fucking thing. And it, like, Gosh. It's, like, it's slightly sexual as well. So you're like, oh my God, it sounds like he's having an orgasm. <laughs> Honestly, Francis Bourgeois is 100%. I mean, his name isn't real. Like He completely changed his name so that he could be private. But he is 100% genuine and it's one of the purest things in the world. Look at Francis Bourgeois. It was a big thing a couple of years ago, but this guy's so hilarious. On that note, everyone, thank you so much. This has been one of our longer episodes. I really, really enjoyed it. Derek, um, did you have fun? Because you kind of stumbled across this one, right? You know, Uh, finding this person.
2: I did, and I
0: I always struggle sometimes with figuring Mm -hmm. it out,
2: but I've been looking at this one since I started the Midnight Club, and I'm like, yeah, I got to do a cult person. I almost did the guy that owns Patagonia, and Ooh, yes, I talked But only cuz he's freaking awesome, not cuz he's yeah. an idiot. <laughs>
0: he fucking <laughs> donated his entire like company to saving the planet and for the funds to go to that. I'm like I love this guy. Why aren't there more people like him? Like he's yeah. he's already made enough money and he's just donated the company to people that can run it and use the money to save the planet. We need more people like that in the world and Indeed. less fucking Alan stanfords and like random hucksters that moved to hollywood um about the tree rockefeller found being called dave i once tried to start a meme oh yeah it'll happen eventually don't (laughs) worry the memes will be keep will keep coming in and so until next time everybody thank you so much and we will see you in a couple of weeks we will have a very special Halloween-themed episode. We will have Halloween idiots for you. And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media. So if you go on Instagram, it's History's Greatest Idiots. If you go on uh, Twitter, it's at Greatest Idiots. And you can go on Patreon.com slash History's Greatest Idiots if you want to become our first ever supporter. But we will see you in a couple of weeks. It will be a Halloween special, and we'll have so many great surprises. So until then, Derek, would you like to say goodbye? Bye, everybody. And we will see you again soon. Take care now. Bye.